0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. About six months ago, my day started very, very early. I had a simple and delicious slice of buttered bread and a bowl of coffee which is what I learned, that's how people in the Basque area of France drink coffee in a literal bowl. Over breakfast, I sat with other pilgrims talking about the day and our hopes and our plans for our journey. Shortly after, I set out on my second day of hiking over the Pyrenees Mountains, following the sign and symbol shared by my fellow pilgrims along the way of St. James. The second day contained sights so beautiful that I literally cannot describe them to you. And in that day, the moments of shade became more and more important as we rise over the tree line and the sun continued to move overhead. Water was scarce with only one stop between villages 10 miles apart. And I hiked that day for over 13 miles. And over the the steep descent from the mountains was brutal and would eventually put an early end to the hiking part of my Camino. It wasn't actually the most challenging part of the day. I summited the mountain shortly after I walked across the arbitrary border between France and Spain, marked by a plain, simple rock. And almost immediately, I felt the grips of the wind. After passing, a fellow group of pilgrims taking a photo I wound my way along the ridge of the mountain. It wasn't a narrow path, but it was very exposed. The sun was warm, but the wind demanded more of my attention. The wind was so strong that I realized I was walking at a 30 degree angle just to keep from being blown over. The ridge curled up ahead and went back into the trees. But that short distance along that ridge, exposed to all of the elements, was the hardest of the whole long day. That ridge, on that day, on that ridge, I was plagued with more fear, and a fear I have never known before, and I hope to never know again. Yet somehow, on that mountain, with all that fear, I was equally and surprisingly convicted and convinced of God's presence. It all commingled into this beautiful and confusing reality. But this is how it is in the wilderness. Everything happens all at once—beauty and pain, fear and joy, loneliness and hope. Our gospel passage today doesn't tell the story of a mountaintop in the Basque region of France, but rather of a wilderness outside of Judea, where John the Baptist, in all his wild and hairy ways, begins to preach a harsh sermon. He's wearing camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey and baptizing people left and right. And then, the Pharisees and the Sadducees come along, and this person, seemingly excited about preparing the way of the Lord, hollers at them, You brood of vipers. You can almost hear and see the wild glint in John's eyes. Even though John is not directly talking to us here today at Christchurch, His question and his accusation to the Pharisees and Sadducees does ask us to confront the realities of our own motivations in our own baptized life. Because it was not the identity of these two Jewish groups that John was condemning, but their motives for coming to seek baptism. For John, baptism changes us. But if we resist that change, if we fail to confess and repent, then we are no more holy than a whole mess of snakes. What I hear in John's intensity is not a message that perfection is demanded of us, but rather that there are many, many things in this world that require us to be nothing more than a brood of vipers. This world thrives on a scarcity mindset that asks us to almost literally choke out the life of our fellow humans. The systems in which we operate all but depend and demand that we refuse to bear good fruit produced for the health of the world. And instead asks us to consume so much and to only care for ourselves. And for others. Although it's far off, I can hear John's wild cry in the wilderness this morning. I can hear it reminding us that our baptism is not, has not, and will never be solely about our individual salvation. Our baptism is the place where everything happens all at once. It is a transformative, lifelong process in which God invites us to something new. John's words in the wilderness and the vast and varied experiences of times of wilderness in this room, in your pew, have shaped who we are individually and collectively. John the Baptist is sort of a wild character, comical even, especially during the Advent season when all we really want is to get to Jesus meek and mild. But on this Sunday, we hear John the Baptist shouting, you brood of vipers. His questions here ask us to look at the motivation behind our acts of faith. And they're just as poignant for us as they were for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There is something I am increasingly convinced. There is something so holy about asking ourselves why we do the things we do. I tend to view attention as a form of prayer, and this is where I see holiness seeping into our lives. If I'm able to sit quietly with myself for a bit and ask honestly, why do I want to follow Christ? It is a grounding and humbling practice. Because the question for me is not why do I want to be a priest or a preacher or a member and involved in Christ Church Bowling Green, but simply where does my desire to live a life intersect with my baptismal call? Where does our faith intersect with the things to which we pay attention? Where does our prayerful confession cross paths with the way of the Lord that John prepared so long ago? John uses the metaphor of wheat being separated from the chaff. And because John the Baptist is John the Baptist, it's a little exaggerated. The unquenchable fire. Dramatic exaggerations aside, I find this metaphor helpful. The chaff is just a hollow shawl husk around the wheat. The chaff isn't useless. It plays an important role, but after a while, it's ineffectual and inept. But the wheat is slow to grow and requires care and attention And long after the chaff has been tossed aside, wheat is playing a role in creating a wonderful, life-sustaining nourishment. The chaff, or those who come to the baptized life with ulterior motives, cannot survive a thriving life, one that is shaped by faith. The wheat, however, are those who are changed daily by our baptismal call—who grow and find themselves bearing abundant fruit. This is what I know to be true. God desires a life transformed by God's unrelenting love. Our baptism calls us to this unrelenting love that will inherently change us. There is a tenderness, I think, to every Advent season. This year, the tenderness that I am experiencing is, harkens back to all of the times I have been in the wilderness. For me, that wilderness has looked like being a patient in a hospital bed, or trying to figure out how to navigate a hospital to figure out where my friend is. It's been sitting beside people as they pass away, and it's been up on a mountaintop, all alone, fighting the wind. What I know to be true in all the tenderness of this Advent, is that I have been changed by the wildernesses I have gone through. I know that one does not come out on the other side of a wilderness the same person. And even if you are in the wilderness and you cannot see the path ahead, believe me when I say you will be changed by that experience. My hope this second Sunday of Advent is that we can take seriously John's admonition and let his experience of the wilderness change us as well. This week, notice where your attention goes and where you might wish it to go. Allow yourself to hear God's call to a life changed by the vows that we take in baptism. Allow the intensity of John's sermon in the wilderness to ground us in the reality of the magnitude of having the courage to call ourselves Christians. Engage in practices that remind you who you are that remind you why you bear that name. And beloveds, remember that we will be changed by the wilderness. So repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen.